This Week in Startups is brought to you by LinkedIn. You need LinkedIn jobs to find the right people for your business. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash twist and get $50 off your first job post. Envision. Get Envision for startups with unlimited users on the full suite of Envision tools plus enterprise-level security and support at envision.com slash twist. That's I-N-V-I-S-I-O-N dot com slash twist. And Silicon Valley Bank. Founding a startup isn't all hoodies and hoverboards. To make it, you need a bank that offers insights, expert advice, and custom solutions. Visit svb.com forward slash next to move your bold ideas forward faster. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas bank here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis, and this is the podcast where we talk to founders of technology companies, investors, and pundits and authors about technology, business, entrepreneurship, and You've seen this year, 2019, we've had many unicorns on the program. Well, today we're going to have what I call a sunicorn. I predict soon this company will be a unicorn. The company is Ethos, and they are going after one of the most technologically resistant businesses, uh, historically, insurance, specifically life insurance. And the founder's name is Peter Colas, and he is with me today. Welcome to the program, Peter. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You guys have raised two rounds of funding now, the Series A by our friends at Sequoia. You're a scout as well, I think. I am. You're part of the scout program. Have you made an investment yet? I have. Okay. How did it turn out? Too early to tell. Too early to tell? But I've got a good feeling about it. Okay, good. Well, you only have to beat uh, my investment in Uber, Datastax, Thumbtack. It's a tall order. And uh, Sam Altman's investment in Stripe to get yourself on the leaderboard. Uh, can you say which one you invested in? No, it's Not a secret yet. now. Oh, it's a secret right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, tell me about this company, Ethos. I know um, our mutual friend, Rulof Botha from Sequoia, I guess, is the investor in your company and the board member? Yeah. So uh, tell me, what is the business? What do you do at Ethos? Absolutely. It's it's a serious business. Uh, roughly 5% of kids are going to lose a parent before they turn 15 years old. Which 5% is, before 15. Which is heartbreaking. Yeah. And then of those families, 70%, if they lost the breadwinning parent, they would be bankrupt within three months. So life insurance is extremely important. And for something that's so important, it shouldn't be so difficult to get. Right. You kind of go through this 15-week process of medical exams and blood tests and paper applications and agents trying to upsell you investment feature policies that you don't need. Hmm. Um, and what Ethos does it, it lets you buy life insurance while you're waiting in line at Starbucks. Um, five minutes on your phone, you're done. 99% of the time, there's no medical exams, there's no blood tests, there's no commissioned sales agents. All we care about is protecting your family for an affordable price. Does there have to be an insurance agent legally in the United States to sell life insurance? Correct. So legally, Ethos has an agency, um, though we have no individual commission salespeople um, as Got part it. of the transaction. So that's part of the innovation. Correct. Is that the incentives traditionally in insurance maybe are not aligned perfectly? One of our core values is we treat our customers' families like we treat our own families. Got it. So how does it work typically? Because when people say life insurance broker or somebody selling life insurance, that's kind of, I think, just below used car salesmen. People hate yeah. life insurance salesmen. You think of Woody Allen skits. Yeah. It's the worst like career or profession. What's Why is this uh, out there? They're not all bad. There right. are some nice people. Um, 
Well, life insurance is a product that's traditionally sold, not bought, because it's so complex that mm. it often requires somebody to push the product on a unsuspecting consumer who otherwise wouldn't go through this very difficult process to protect their family, even though the need is great. Hmm. Um, and so with ethos, what we've done is just eliminate all of that friction and eliminate that misaligned incentive and really just think about what's best for that family. And if it's something that's been on your checklist for too long, can we help you get insured in five minutes or 10 minutes? So you have to go find brokers who are willing to work without the traditional commission or the traditional no. incentives. The majority of our customers never speak with anybody. Wow. They just purchase it online by themselves. Oh, just like ordering an Uber or getting an Airbnb or something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, is there resistance in the industry to this? Isn't this one of those situations where the incumbents would be very upset about what you're doing? It depends on who you talk to. So yeah. in insurance, there's a um, problem that incumbents have called channel conflict, where they are so dependent on these agent sales channels that it's very difficult to build a direct-to-consumer business without offending the hand that feeds them. And so um, most are resistant. Some are interested in partnering with Ethos and innovating um, and bearing the risk that we issue these policies on. But um, it's a very slow moving industry that's designed a culture around managing risk and protecting your balance sheet for 150 years, which isn't geared towards necessarily building a wonderful customer experience or innovating and building a direct to consumer business. Because they're so busy, like architecting this 100 year balance sheet. And dealing with 40-year-old legacy core technology and 35-hour work weeks and all sorts of implicit issues in a 150-year-old company. Now, these companies have established the market leadership literally over 150 years. There hasn't been a great carrier built in the last 100 years. And so um, we have an enormous opportunity, but also a big hill ahead of us. Do you, are you underwriting the policies or do you just resell other people's or you partner with the people who underwrite? Yeah, it's a really good question. So Ethos does underwrite the policies. We adjudicate the risk and make the decision of, um, can you be approved and if so, at what price? Ah. Um, now we do that without obtaining the financial risk ourselves and your, your policy's guarantee is not reliant on Ethos's financial security. It's reliant on the financial security of a, a massive insurance partner behind us. We work with several today. Ah, got it, like who? Um, for instance, a surety life insurance, Munich reinsurance, RGA, big storied, uh, large companies that are highly regulated and very capital conservative. Um, and so they don't care where the insurance, they just want to get more people insured. Is there a motivation? Um, they want to protect more families as well and to make sure that the risk is good risk and that it's priced appropriately. And so that's one of Ethos's innovation is understanding how to underwrite people very quickly while making sure it's good risks. How do you, how do you do that? We pull all sorts of data about our consumers to really understand um, from a health perspective, what is their health profile? And then from a uh, predictive analytics perspective, for someone who looks, acts, thinks, talks like you, um, you know, uh, how, how are you intending to live your life? And uh, statistically, what is your mortality? Is that something that insurance companies do already? How, what do you do that's different? Um, we leverage new data sources that uh, insurance companies uh. don't, but all of it is very highly regulated in what we can and cannot leverage. So all the, uh. the data is Fair Credit Reporting Act compliant. So is it like these people who are doing, I guess, a firm and some other companies are trying to build new credit scores. Are you going to try to build a new score by looking at my Instagram and seeing like, well, this person's like skydiving and 
doing uh, all kinds of extreme sports or this person's overweight because I have their health kit yeah. or, you know, I have their Fitbit, you know, and they're not moving, they're sedentary. Yeah. Really interesting question. We wouldn't use those things for underwriting because uh, technically those would be discriminatory in the industry, oh. which is actually a really interesting issue to talk about. Wait a about. second. It's discriminatory that I am overweight or I uh, skydive? Well, ask yourself this. Let's say that the photo in your Instagram was taken a few months ago and you've lost weight. Okay. Would it, would it be fair to use for an insurance company that doesn't really know you well to use that photo okay. to price your mortality risk? Probably not. Maybe on average it would, but it, it would. there's a variance there and some people would be treated unfairly. Got it. So everybody has to be treated fairly. Would knowing my steps every day and my weight and my BMI, would that be legitimate? Uh, that could be, yeah. And so there's all new sorts of interesting opportunities around leveraging health technology right. to uh, give people better possible rates. Or even once you've been issued a policy, if you become healthier after it, lowering the cost as you go on. Ah, and but rewarding you couldn't raise the costs, could you? No, Again. you can't. You've locked in that cost. Got it. With our product at least. So the name of the game is to get in great shape and then just eat Haagen-Dazs for a year <laughs> and then you're getting over on your life insurance Exactly, company. exactly. Right, let's take a quick break and when we get back, we're going to see Ethos in action uh, on This Week in Startups. Hiring is always hard and it's getting really hard today because we've got unemployment at historic lows. Also, Many people just throw a job posting out there. They put it on their job board or some random message board or dump it in your Slack room. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. But what is going to work is to go ahead and use LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where 610 million members visit. And they do that to make connections, learn and grow as professionals. And sometimes they're looking to discover new job opportunities or sometimes they're passive job seekers. And that is the secret. Not everybody is going to a job board every day looking for jobs, but LinkedIn will present opportunities to those hundreds of millions of LinkedIn users. And here's how easy it is. You just simply go to LinkedIn and it's really easy because you say where you're looking for the person, you put in your job, you can then look for what experiences you want them to have. How many years of marketing, you set a budget, boom. It's up and running and you will find somebody quickly. How do I know this? Because we found two of our 15 team members on LinkedIn very recently. Sir Charles, our new director, and our marketing manager, Maureen. You can create these job listings quickly and easily, and I'm gonna give you $50 right now. That's right, $50 right now for your first job posting. I want you to go to linkedin.com slash twist. Go to linkedin.com slash twist, and you will get $50 off your first job posting. Terms and conditions, of course, apply. Let's get back to this amazing episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis, and Peter Colas is with us today. He is the co-founder and CEO of Ethos, E-T-H-O-S. You have ethos.com, ethos.co. What do you got? Ethoslife.com, getethos.com, Ethos Life Insurance. Ethos Life Insurance. Okay. Um, let's take a look at it. You, you said it was easy as uh, yeah. one, two, three. You could do it in line and coffee. Let's see if you can do it during a podcast. Uh, here you are. You got your Verizon. You're signing in. You're All at right. getethos.com. Check e it out. E-T-H-E-O-S. Yeah. My mail. You're a male, yes. Do you currently smell. use nicotine products? No. no. Health is great. Excellent, okay. California we live in. Put our birth date in here. Uh, 522-1987, so you're a millennial. Boom. And here we go. Ethos got my price. $29 a month gets you- uh, Let's take it. Okay, 438. 
we promise to make this process as quick and easy as possible to do this. We need you to make sure your application is accurate and complete. It's pretty important. It helps you get its coverage at a great price. Any mistake can slow things down. And so one of the cool things is people are actually more honest in our applications than in a traditional agent's application. Huh. Um, so we've done a pretty good job of, um, and the process goes on for five minutes of answering questions. Um, but we, we do, there's a behavioral science uh, competency in our business of figuring out how to help people um, speak accurately and tell the truth. Ah, so by priming them with the honesty pledge that they're taking it, you've primed them that they should be honest. Put them in the mindset. Put them in the mindset to be honest. It's a pledge. Correct. And they're taking a pledge. Behavioral economics. Is, is it really behavioral economics? Yeah. What's the driver behind that? You've um, made a social contract with them or something? I think it starts in the way that you present yourself. It starts from the very first time they see an ad or they come to Ethos, they hear about it from their friend. Our largest source of consumers is uh, our current customers. They tell their friends and family about Ethos. And so they come here knowing that it's a good place that cares about their well-being, um, that wants to help them protect their family for an affordable price. And what we found is the data has shown people are more honest in our applications than in an agent's application where they're commissioned to sell you and potentially helping you fill out that policy ah. or um, or maybe you're uncomfortable in front of the stranger in the room. Got uh, it. Got it. Well, so there could be some steering of the witness. Potentially. Potentially. That may it's, have happened. It's very common in life insurance. Really? So that, yeah, the person who's asking, hey, you know, if you use less nicotine, yeah. you probably would get a better price. So And so you think about our business. Um, <clears throat> What you do today can have impacts for 20, 30 years in the business. And so we are very careful and long-term oriented when we think about how we mm. conduct ourselves. Um, so it's an interesting business. It, yeah. Thus the term life insurance salesman coming up again. <laughs> so what happens after you fill out this form? Yeah. While you're filling out the form, we're analyzing you, um, a lot of information about you. Um, and we uh, will either make a decision there on the spot and say, hey, you know, Jason, you're approved. Um, congratulations. You want to click this button, we'll give you a policy right now. Um, or we'll do it within a couple days, uh, depending on if we need to verify some information. Um, but either way, it's a uh, an NPS of over 85. Wow, it's incredible. Uh, so think about that. It's a life insurance company that people love and so much that they'll refer their friends into it. Um, and so we've always thought if we bring such a great product, we solve that problem of having to hard sell people and making sure that it's a product that's sold instead of bought. I just realized there's a new category of startups I will call embarrassing questionnaires. They're startups based on embarrassing questionnaires or uncomfortable questionnaires. Yeah. Like Get Roman and Hymns, and yeah. we have a company, Wisp, that we've invested in that does products for feminine uh, health issues that would be embarrassing or men's issues that are embarrassing to talk to a doctor about. But if you're talking to your iPhone yeah. and you're just answering a survey, it's like, yeah, how often do you have erectile dysfunction? It's like every day. Great. You get 30 pills of Viagra, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Like it's easier for people to answer these questions yeah. of, hey, do you- Totally. And you yeah. think about the traditional process, there's a paramed who comes to your house and medically strip searches you effectively, taking your blood, um, going through this kind of extensive interview process. Uh, they'll financially strip search you in some kind of fashion. And so uh, it's just a, it's a totally different ease of use. I don't know anything about this industry. And I had life insurance for a long time. Then I made money and I was like, well, I guess the amount of life insurance I You're had- You're self-insured now. Which means I'm self-insured. Yeah. Right. Is that a common thing in the industry or no? No, you're just rich. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, no, but even amongst people who are affluent, who have money in the bank. Yeah. Uh, l life insurance is still a really good um, 
concept. And so you think about what we sell term life insurance, it's really meant to protect against the untimely death of somebody. Okay. To, you know, in the next 20 or 30 years, if something happened to you, would your dependents be okay? Yes. And for the vast, vast majority right. of American families, the answer is no. But if the answer is yes, then um, you then you, then you potentially don't need it. And you may consider one of those fancy investment products that's meant to, um, yeah. def, you know, mitigate taxes. How does... in Barring against your life insurance policy work because that's the stuff, this yeah. financial stuff that's been added to it that I yeah. think made it super confusing. Yeah, there's life insurance. If I die, you give my partner X amount of money. Yeah. The what do they call that person? The beneficiary. The beneficiary. I give the beneficiary this money. That's just a straight transaction, right? I pay five thousand a month, or that's term life insurance. That's exactly. term life insurance. Yeah, which now, is right for ninety-seven percent of families. Roughly. Is that what you guys sell? Yep. So term life insurance means over some term I pay in five thousand a month, mm -hmm. and if I die before the age of whatever thirty years, next thirty years. Yep. So if I die before seventy, if I'm forty eight, if I die before seventy eight, yep, we get the million bucks. Correct. And that would cost how much? Um, it totally depends on your age, your gender, your health. Let's makeup, say a forty eight year old guy in Silicon Valley who's in okay shape. Let's say fifty bucks a month. Fifty bucks a month. Something really reasonable. The average American thinks life insurance is three times as expensive as it actually is, which okay. is one of these problems of perception that Ethos can help ratify by giving you a price so quickly. And the reason is most people don't die. The reason is, Young. Uh, oh, as to why it's so cheap? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a question of statistics. Yeah. So 45-year-old, uh, one in 700 will uh, pass away each year roughly. Um, and so there's a mortality expectation of that. One in 700. Yeah. Will die each year, roughly. Uh, um, if if you have a book of forty five year olds, yeah, got it. That's fascinating. Yeah. So you have seven hundred to one odds of dying each year. Each year. So over the next five years, you would have a five in seven hundred chance. Correct. Well, or a little bit different than that. A little bit yeah. different because roughly every year that went by, yeah. you would. Your chances of dying in the next year would go down or up? Up. It would go up because you're getting closer to your natural death. Correct. And you've driven more miles and yeah. breathed more air and yeah. So it's interesting. Experience more life. How, I'm thinking about it like a gambler and how many cards are left in the deck. How you drive is an enormous predictor, not only of your um, likelihood of dying from an accident, but also huh. from your likelihood of dying from a critical illness. Huh. Like cancer. Interesting. And I guess the correlation there would be risk takers at speed would be risk takers in other aspects of life. It is and a conservative people wouldn't eat that extra donut. On average, it's a proxy for how you live your life. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and there are all sorts of fascinating things like this um, that you can incorporate. But to, to kind of go back to it, life insurance is the right solution for the vast, vast majority of families. Mm -hmm. And it's quite underpenetrated. The younger you go, the more underpenetrated it is. And that's an issue because the younger you are, the, the less savings you have um, and the more vulnerable your family is. And so oftentimes we see people wait till they already have a kid for a while or they're on their second kid, et cetera. And um, if we could make one change, it would be to help families get protected earlier. Um, so... And how often do these actually, in the case of a death, you hear this, I guess there's this undercurrent because of the, uh, what are you, a life insurance salesman kind of negativity about this sector. Yeah. There's this, oh, they're never going to pay you. Yeah. How often does 
a person not get paid on a life insurance policy? Thankfully, life insurance claims are very highly regulated, uh, you know, which is different from auto insurance claims, for instance. Right. With life insurance, basically, if you died, it gets paid unless if you passed away within two years of taking out the policy, they'll look to see, was there a real material lie? Did you forget to mention uh-huh. that you have stage four cancer or something like that? And that's when it can be contested. But if you legitimately pass away, it's, it's black and white as far as the company needs to pay you. And if somebody did have cancer and then like five years went by. It would be paid. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so does that mean there is a certain amount of fraud in the industry? Sure. That's absorbed with people doing this exact thing? And when you think about life insurance, um, so it's interesting. You brought up Ruloff before. They figured this out at PayPal and a lot of consumer companies have figured this out with fraud. You can put a brick wall in front of your store yeah. and you'll eliminate shrinkage, yeah. but you're also going to stop sales, right. all sales. Yeah. And so with insurance, just like that, it's about having a healthy balance of good risk and, and fraudulent risk. Right. And you can't eliminate all the fraud, but as long as you price it properly for that distribution mm. um, of good risk and bad risk, then that's really what you want to achieve. We're living longer. We are. Uh, not not last year, the opioid oh, crisis on average, unfortunately. The opioid, has, has, that's fascinating, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, first, first year in- Somebody know. ODs, is that typically in a term life insurance uh, yeah. carved out or is it paid? No, that's paid. It's paid. Yeah. Fascinating. So uh, when we get back from this quick break, as people have lived longer, generally speaking, over the last 30 <laughs> years, with the exception of fentanyl and opioids and the insanity around that horrible uh, plague in our society today- one of the things that's becoming a leading cause, sadly, of um, death in the United States is suicide, especially amongst young people. Um, I want to understand how insurance companies are dealing with the increasing rate of suicide in America when we get back on This Week in Startups. You know Envision as the product design platform used by thousands of startups and by 100% of the Fortune 100. Well, now they have a new offering with startups in mind, and it's called, wait for it, Envision for Startups. And this will help you streamline your workflow from design all the way to development, and it will make your startup life so much more manageable. Envision for Startups gives you the full suite of Envision tools, all packaged with startups in mind. You're going to get unlimited accounts for your entire team to collaborate so everybody has a voice, as well as enterprise security and customer support. You can get Envision for Startups at envision.com slash twist. That's I-N-V-I-S-I-O-N dot com slash twist. Streamline your workflow with unlimited users and get the full suite of Envision tools, including the very cool freehand collaboration tool, which is just amazing. And it's just one of their many tools. You'll see it uh, when you go to the site. And you will get that enterprise-level security and support. Thanks again to Envision for supporting This Week in Startups. All right. We're talking about the amazing industry of life insurance, and we've made it interesting. My guest today is Peter Colas. He is the CEO and co-founder of Ethos, a Sunicorn, in my estimation. They've raised two rounds of funding. Uh, I guess Sequoia and uh, Google Ventures did uh, the Series B, $35 million, uh, and you did a $11.5 million Series A back in the day. With Sequoia, you've raised uh, $50 million or so. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. Got Robert Downey Jr. in there, Iron Man. Um, he's awesome. We love him. No spoilers. 
Um, he's helped try to close ca- close his candidates, which is really nice. That's his biggest contribution. Close uh, talent candidates to join our company. Oh, talent candidates. Yeah. That's that's our secret. If you're a very competitive engineer, we'll send stuff from Robert Downey Jr. to you to get you to join Ethan. Really? <laughs> he'll, he'll literally send you an Iron Man uh, gauntlet. Uh, autographed gauntlet. I like that's it. That's what we try for. <laughs> exactly. And uh, Will Smith and Kevin Durant. Yeah. So you did the trifecta of celebrities. Does that come in a package or something? Or how do you wind up getting these celebrity investors? No. Um, what you sought they them out? all have in common is they're all family men of some kind. Hmm. And so they all resonated with the um, problem that we were trying to solve and the solution that we could bring. Got it. Um, and then the other th- thing I would say is we have no illusions that building a brand and life insurance is a difficult endeavor. Yeah. And so um, if we could align ourselves with people who really understand how to build brands, it might be helpful to us. Yeah. Um, how do you get those type of investors? I guess a lot of people are interested in the celebrity we start turn a VCs. sexy business, like like a life insurance exactly. company. They just, they they just knock just the all, door down. Yeah, They're exactly. like, wow, another exactly. dating app? I'm in. <laughs> oh, wait, no, sorry. I got a life insurance app that's going to take priority over this deal. That's a sure way to do it. No, but how do you wind up? Did you seek them out? Because I've never seen somebody have all three of them. I've seen them like selectively, but how do they make decisions? They have partners they work with, I take it? Rich Kleiman um, with Kevin or- I, I think uh, I, I do know Rich. They, you know, they all kind of have their own unique situation. Some yeah. of them want to be more actively involved; others don't. Um, yeah. But I, I think they all thought one, it was a good business opportunity, but two, it aligned with their mission and what they wanted, you know, to achieve in a, you know, with a higher purpose with their money. Got it. Interesting. When you get those type of investors, can you lean on them for a tweet, or is that considered gauche, or you just have to like, if they do it, that's great. If we were selling tweets through life insurance, if we were selling life insurance through t- tweets from Jay Z, I would be concerned that we Wait, would need you have a Jay-Z more, as well? a more the scalable st- strategy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he could just like put an ethos hat on and get you know coming at, to the Warriors game with an ethos hat on. Oh, fine. That probably that wouldn't be very cool. I I think ethos is almost as cool as Rock Nation. One day we'll be there. Yeah. Um, hey, suicide. Serious topic, right? Yeah. It's uh, it is staggering uh how this has become now like uh the leading cause of death amongst i think a certain section of young men Mm. which is really weird um but i mean we're not dying in wars as much as we used to and people are you know surviving car accidents and not uh drinking and driving as much and there's ubers and lyfts to take people places if they do have too much to drink um how does the insurance industry contend with this yeah and how do they look at it? Like if somebody takes out an insurance policy and kills themselves the next year, they do an investigation, they find out what? It's very sad. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very difficult topic. The one um, carve out, as you mentioned, that's in almost all life insurance policies is a suicide exemption clause, mm. meaning that if you take your own life, the policy is invalid, mm. um, which is... It's sad and that's just kind of the way the industry is formed. What's really interesting is the life insurance industry is one of the few that has an incentive to keep you as healthy and long living as possible. Mm -hmm. Most of healthcare is incentivized or makes money when you're sick. Mm -hmm. And life insurance is just the opposite. And so you think about the future innovation in the industry, how they can utilize these premiums they've collected to um, either better educate you in health pay for your health care, potentially, mm. um, your policy could end up becoming a source of uh, funds for uh, keeping you alive. Fascinating. And so a person um, 
who has meant do, do they ask mental health issues on your questionnaire or do people you do. because mental health is becoming a very acute issue in the United States and that obviously is a precursor to suicide in some cases so also it's correlated with other um other ways of people passing away earlier in life really so maybe you be there could be some reckless behavior or or lots of stress or just general unhappiness um it's ah. been linked to a shorter life um so it's a it's a sad topic um but you know, I, I think life insurance companies are in a prime position to innovate in this way. Um, huh. You think about if we were to do a partnership, let's say with a, let's say with some sort of healthcare organization or even a genetics company that has a, a constant pulse on you as a human, right? Um, uh, what would we be able to do? What would be, we be able to fund? Because it's in our incentive to keep you as healthy for as long as possible. And what would that be? How would you execute on that? Um, you know, we've looked at partnering with all sorts of healthcare organizations, to be huh. honest, to provide supplementary benefits to our policyholders. Once you become an ethos policyholder, um, what else can we offer you Got basically? It. What, what are the other types of insurance that make this so convoluted? Cause I know that when I met yeah. with somebody, I was like, all right, I want to pay a certain amount of month that I just want to get it, my wife taken care of if that happens. And they're like, oh yeah, but you can pay in and they get that money back. And I was like, okay, what's that? And yeah. Um, there are all types. There's permanent life insurance, um, which is right for uh, very wealthy people who want to avoid taxes in wealth transfers to their children wow. and have maxed out all their 401k and Roth IRAs. There's annuities. How does that work? Um, so uh, basically, if you haven't maxed out your 401k and Roth IRAs, those are the most efficient yeah. way um, to save. And then once you've maxed those out, you can consider permanent life insurance, which will provide a tax-free vehicle that pays to your children, um, sometimes with a guaranteed rate of return. Now, the thing to look at is there are all sorts of fees that the life insurance company takes from this process. Ah. And that's where it becomes very difficult for the average person to evaluate these policies credibly. Mm. Um, and you should really try to have a non-commissioned financial advisor give you some advice on it before you Got purchase it. a complex policy. What are the other policies? Um, there's uh, whole life, universal life insurance, there's critical illness, there's disability, there's annuities, there's 31 flavors that an insurance company will try to sell you. Really? The dis I knew somebody with a disability one, a friend yeah. of mine, uh, who's an angel investor now, mm. and he got hit by a drunk driver and he was an attorney Ooh. and he couldn't practice anymore. And this happened at a relatively young age. Yeah. And now he is, uh, uh, if he hadn't had that, and he bought it on his own. Yeah. Just as a 30-year-old or just had the presence of mind to have disability insurance. It's very popular with attorneys, doctors, um, architects, um, kind of one-person, uh, white-collar uh, professions. Why? Um, we think about it. If you're a doctor and you can't practice anymore because you're disabled and you have a very specialized skill set, it's tough. And one of the other things that is really interesting is how do you get disability to mass market uh, 1099 workforce? Because um, uh, it's just as important for an Uber driver as it is a doctor. Yeah. What does disability cost and how do they price that? Um, and do you offer that or not yet? We don't yet. We've always thought it's important to focus on one product and do it yeah. really well at first. Uh, disability, it really depends on your profession. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're a coal miner, it's going to be priced differently than if you're a doctor. Um, but any 1099 worker who's out in the field working, they should consider the product. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if there's a new product that could be created for 1099 workers yeah. that 
would just deal with fluctuations in pay or you know yeah seasonality there's a cool uh, seed stage startup backed by Sequoia called Trupo, which is tackling this very problem. Ah, oh, yeah. I think that was the one that was smoothing out earnings, right? It, you, your earnings come to them, and they can then pay you advances against it or something. Yeah, I'm not sure of the details, but yeah. it, it's something to do with disability for 1099s. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. So you sell the term life insurance now, correct? And that's it. That's the only policy. That's it. Uh, and do women take it out as well or? Yeah, we have a fairly is even that like, gender ratio. It is even gender ratio. Yeah. And um, you think about it, it's it's equally important um, yeah. for how many women are the primary breadwinners in their family yeah. now. Because it used to be something that was targeted towards men when that was the primary workforce. By male sa sales agents who are more yeah. comfortable with men, It seems like a huge opportunity because Correct. if it's a bunch of like smarmy male- life insurance agents. Yeah, looking yeah. for old rich men to buy their policies. Yeah, yeah, that's, they're not interested in this younger generation. They're not probably as interested. Ethos has the opportunity to democratize the product and you know bring uh, financial security to families that otherwise wouldn't get insured. One of the coolest things about our product is the majority of our customers are not looking for life insurance. Mm. They're good candidates for it and they otherwise may not have purchased life insurance. Mm. And we go to them and we say, "Hey, here's life insurance, here's the concept, here's ethos. You can sign up so quickly and then they do." Uh I'm curious, it seems like this is something uh that would work really well. Uh, on an enterprise sales basis. Mm. When we get back from this quick and final break, I want to know if there's an enterprise play here because it might be a nice benefit for me to just give to everybody in our company when we get back on This Week in Startups. If you work in Silicon Valley and you work in technology, you know it's not all about ping pong tables and free food and the hoodies. Those are all fun, sure. But there are a lot of challenges throughout the startup journey, and no one understands them quite like our friends at Silicon Valley Bank, where I do my banking personally. Have a great idea for a startup, and I do it professionally actually as well. If you have a great idea for a startup and you don't know the right way to launch it, well, Silicon Valley Bank has held thousands of startups and is always eager to share their insights. Feel like your company's growing at quantum speed? Well, Silicon Valley Bank strives to support you at your pace, quick, nimble, and always looking ahead. With Silicon Valley Bank, you're not just getting a bank. You're getting a banking and financial services partner, along with the insights and experience and scalable solutions that founders need to move their bold ideas forward faster. I know this because I work with Silicon Valley Bank and I have for over a decade. And when I email them, man, do I get a quick response. So here's your call to action. If you're a founder, a potential founder, or just someone with an idea and a whole lot of ambition, Silicon Valley Bank has solutions that will help support you from the seed stage to the big stage. So visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank, ideas, bank here. Hey, do uh, single people get life insurance ever and like give it to their siblings or something like that? That's not a market. Uh, it's a smaller market. Yeah. Usually it's your spouse, your children, maybe elderly parents. Got it. Um, those are the primary use cases. Of is there an life. age it's too old to get it? Like, do they do 70 year olds have the ability to get life insurance or is yeah. it just like you're going to die? It's we'll insure up to 70 year olds. Got it. Um, and then past that, the pricing for it changes a lot because it's more of a assurance that you're going to pass during the term than a insurance against passing during the term. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. You're, yeah. 
it's we're we're, <laughs> we're in the window here <laughs> yeah uh that's fascinating hey what about the uh, enterprise sale it seems to me like if it's so affordable yeah it could be something very simple to give to employees i know I, i've always had it because i was a key man at mm -hmm. my companies and so when getting key man life insurance for a company We'd always have a million or two if I died. Yeah. The company would get a million or two million dollars to ride it out. And then as part of that, they would give the million or two million to my spouse or my family. I remember mm -hmm. having to do all the tests and stuff when I was younger. Yeah. So uh, group life insurance, which is sold through employers, um, is a bare minimum and it has a couple flaws to it. Huh. One is it comes in very small sizes. Two is it's not portable. So if you leave your company, you right. can't take it with you. Uh. And so the average person works for, I think, what, two years mm -hmm. at each job now? Yes. Yeah, and like um, as you get older, life insurance becomes more expensive. Mm. And so that group should be supplemented with individual life insurance. Now, you are right in that it's an attractive market. And so Ethos is also considering uh, an employer product, which would have a innovation um, uh, that basically tries to solve those issues that I just mentioned. Yeah, we're, we're investors in Wealthfront, which I think has a good approach to educating companies and then yeah. the individuals can then join, but the company is just facilitating yeah. sort of education. And I think just educating people and getting them on board is the the key here. Uh, yeah, and I think the, the key is to be a trustworthy company that has a incredible customer experience so that employers can feel really good about recommending you to their employees, which are, you know, uh, as an employer, that's your, that's your most important client is your team members oftentimes, right? Can, and, yeah. yeah. Can you take loans against these insurance policies or? Uh, very few of them. Usually right. there's certain types of permanent life insurance that you can borrow against. And again, life uh, insurance companies like to charge fees for that. Ah, so that's where they get you is on the fees. Correct. Uh, the I, during the crypto phase, mm. everybody was going to reimagine insurance yeah. with cryptocurrency and yeah. put it on an immutable blockchain. Yeah, which to me, putting it on an immutable blockchain as opposed to a backed up database that's you know in a couple different data centers <laughs> doesn't seem very radically different to me. Is there some crypto play in insurance? That makes sense. Have you thought about that when the crypto craze was going on? Were people in your company telling you we got to have a crypto strategy? We never considered ICOing. Yeah. Um, you know, insurance is a contract based business. It's yeah. unclear what value the blockchain technology adds to that, um, especially when each ticket size is, is meaningful. Yeah. I um, mean, it's not a repeated transaction. Okay. Um, as well as it's very clear who owns what. It's very clear who's part yeah. of what side of the contract. Um, if blockchain ever did become a really important part of the business, uh, you know, we would always reconsider it. The smart contract makes sense, right? Like if you die, you get paid, but then you have all these investigations and other things that occur. So you wouldn't want the smart contract to be hacked. That's the problem with smart contracts. They seem really smart, but judges exist for a reason because sometimes a contract needs to be interpreted. And um, anonymity is not an option when it comes to insurance. You really no. need to understand who both parties are. And huh. so um, it's unclear what value that how, would add. How does how do the insurance companies look at very risky people? Motorcycles, drugs, rock and roll, paragliders? Because yeah. that was the, in that movie, Along Came Polly, the guy was an insurance salesman, I think, or he was, no, he did, made actuary tables. Got it. 
He was the person. You ever you never seen Along Came Polly? No, I didn't. Oh my lord. This is like one of the most hysterical films and it's about a guy who does actuary tables. I got to look at it. And they're insuring a maniac Richard Branson like CEO who likes to base jump and do other crazy things and then Ben Stiller plays the person who's trying to explain exactly how insane ensuring a Richard Branson type person is. Do we feel like you're the Richard Branson and I'm the Ben no, Stiller here? No, in this case, I would be <laughs> the Philip Seymour Hoffman who was his fat friend who was just <laughs> thought he was good at basketball. There's an amazing scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman saying rain dance and I'll just leave it at that. 26% um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes is garbage. <laughs> garbage website. Along Came Polly is one of the classics of... Uh, uh, comedy classics, but uh, seriously, how does you know you got some crazy maniacal, uh, you know these like Silicon Valley kids, mm. and they're going to Burning Man and doing drugs, and then they're paragliding or doing this other stuff. Can those people even get insured, and or people who ride motorcycles? You how know, does it work? Because you, you didn't go through all those questions. You said there's five minutes of questions. I assume motorcycle scuba diving. Yeah. Because when I took it, I was a scuba diver. Mm. And we had a big thing about like, well, I was like, well, I've been scuba diving six times. Yeah. You know, I've done like 20 dives and I go once every two years. Like, am yeah. I am I at risk or not? You know? So scuba diving, it might be a minimal price change because how many of your friends died from scuba diving? No, not, yeah. not a lot. No. Um, motorcycles, maybe a bit more, but also um, people who ride motorcycles are somewhat subsidized by people who don't ride motorcycles. And so uh -huh. it's about a blended portfolio. If you take ecstasy at Burning Man yeah. frequently, yeah. you're probably not insurable. Um, really? Yeah, like lots well, of- Well, there heart. goes half the listeners. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry to the <laughs> listeners of this week at Startups at Burning Man right now, rolling on Molly. Um, so people lie on those parts of the tests then? Well, that's the trick is to- um, Yeah. It's to help them understand why it's beneficial to tell the truth, number one, and then uh, and w f create an environment where they feel safe. Yeah. And then number two, to have a really blended risk portfolio Got it. where you have both good and bad. Wow. What about cannabis? That's become like a huge thing now. It's, yeah. So um, that ha they've had to rethink that, right? Because it's legal. I think most life insurance companies probably treat it in a more old school fashion of denying insurability or severely jacking up the price. Um, the way that... Uh, the more modern way to think about it is if you smoke it frequently, it uh, will probably cause similar conditions to, or it might so cause similar conditions to if you smoke cigarettes frequently. Sure, yeah. And so uh, that's one way to think about it. And then if you use it medicinally, that's a different- um, Right, right. Uh, that's a different consideration, but- Huh. And what about the region? I know it asked what state. Hmm. Is there a correlation between what state you live in? Because I know that when uh, Malcolm Gladwell did one of his books- and I don't remember which one it was in, but he was finding some of the people who lived the longest. And yeah. if it was some uh, island in, off of Japan, I think, or a town yeah. in Japan, people lived on average into their late 90s. Yeah. Um, we don't distinguish price by state. It would be discriminatory. It would? Um, yeah. What about by country? Would that um, be discriminatory? Well, laws are set on a state-by-state -state and U.S. basis. Got it. Um, okay. So not on a, and ethos is only in the U.S. today. Got it. Um, but- what is interesting is, um, you know, states, for instance, uh, 49 states allow you to price differently by gender because different genders have different life expectancies. Sure. But Montana, for instance, requires that you keep both genders priced the same um, for anti-discriminatory intentions. I actually think it's kind of 
it's kind of hurting women because women live longer and they're under they don't die of the stress related diseases that men do subsidizing the males yeah uh, price but it's it's a small state or it's yeah a, and then people are now picking their gender so that would make it even more complicated if somebody just decided well i'm non-binary i don't want to answer that question you're discriminating against me yeah. now or i've switched genders yeah uh, and i've picked a different gender now how are you going to even address that issue well i think that we think about it from a how do you uh, designate yourself and how do you right. identify yourself right. um, today oh is that right yeah that's interesting yeah you know there's a it's a more modern view on the yeah, they're the having product. a real issue in the Olympics now and in competitive sports because they're looking at it by the amount of testosterone in a body. Hmm. And there was somebody who um, was born biologically a male, then identified as a female, and then just were winning everything. And they said, well, but your testosterone is above this. So you can take testosterone inhibitors to get below this threshold to compete in this specific sport. I'm not sure which one it was and which competition. Or you have to be... Yeah. So I think eventually it'll be assigned by testosterone level, not by what uh, gender you select yourself as, if you are in fact selecting yourself other than your birth gender. Hmm. It's a tough problem to solve. All right. Let's recap. <laughs> You're selling insurance, but in Montana, they don't pick by gender. Hmm. That's fascinating. I wonder what the history of that is. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Interesting. Um, if you do drugs, you're not going to get insurance. Or it's going to be difficult. Well, it's best do drugs, kids, kids not to do drugs. In don't general. do dr don't yeah. do drugs. Kids still yeah. exists as a general framework. Yeah. Uh, and uh, suicide not covered, obviously, because there would be a cent an incentive to buy insurance if you had uh, financial issues. All the dark topics. Just remember that um, life insurance is a wonderful product for <laughs> yes. most families in America to protect their and it's their so loved ones. cheap. 20, 30 bucks a month. You have it's no excuse. Cheap. 500 bucks a year or less. Yep. Under a thousand. Yep. Certainly. If you're under 40, it's under a thousand a year. You can get into something under 500 yeah, a year. Yeah, of course. It's like of the, course. It's less than the price of a phone bill. Now, also remember, pay your phone bill. Enjoy your latte at Starbucks. Yes. But also think about your family. Yeah, you should definitely have life insurance. Yeah. 100. Okay. Uh, we'll see you next time on the program. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>